0: Hello again, and welcome to the Messages podcast of Newberry Park First Christian Church. We're glad you're listening because we believe that constant contact with the Word of God, obviously handled with the right heart, can really change your life and can help you adopt the Kingdom of God into every part of your daily rhythm. Today's podcast is from a series called Resolve, based on the book of Daniel. Just as Daniel found himself in the middle of a culture that was quickly flowing away from God's design, we can learn from his example how to resolve to follow the Lord no matter what and thrive as a result. So be blessed today as you receive this word. You
1: know, um, we live in a world where things aren't always as they seem, uh, where things don't always add up the way that they should. Uh, There are some things that just don't make sense, like... You know, for instance, and you've heard some of these before, for instance, why, why does your nose run and your feet smell? Right? I mean, the crazy English language, right? I mean, like, why, why do you park on a driveway, you, you've heard this one, and drive on a parkway? Why is it that if you transport something by car um, or truck, it's called a shipment, but if you transport it by ship, it's called a cargo? Uh, yeah, Right? Why do people ask if they can ask a question? Uh, Why do we have to turn off an alarm when it just went off? Doesn't make sense, right? Here's my favorite one. If con is the opposite of pro, then is Congress the opposite of progress? Hmm. Yeah. And all God's people said, pray for those people. You know, your Bible tells you to, right? You got to pray. Pray for those folks. And then here's my last and my all-time favorite. Why isn't phonetic spelled the way it sounds? Right? There's lots of crazy stuff in life isn't always making sense, right? But God is a God that does not want us to live in confusion. He's not a God that wants us to live trying to just guess all the time. God loves to spell things out. And there's a lot of things happen. You know, we've been going through the book of Daniel and we've gotten to the section where we're talking about, you know, some, some people look at it like the end times and all those things. And people ask me all the time, you know, we had the earthquake like last week, right? And the next day people are like, is Jesus coming back? And I said, absolutely. Right. Now, I don't know about today, but he's absolutely coming. He's all, when, when do you think he's coming? As soon as possible. That's always my answer. Right. Um, but folks, God doesn't want to make things confusing. He, he wants us to, to be tracking with him and what he's doing in the world, and he wants, his word speaks clearly, and we just need to do a better job, I think, of paying attention to what it is God is trying to tell us. In fact, our eternity, right, our eternity The part that happens after this life, our eternity counts on us paying attention to what God has to say to us. And I believe he speaks clearly. I believe he speaks loudly. And sometimes even in a little bit of a whisper. If this is your first time with us, um, during our teaching time, we usually work our way through a book of the Bible or we'll pick a topic and then we talk about what the Bible says about that particular topic. And we've been currently working our way through the biblical book, Of Daniel. It's in the Old Testament. Daniel was one of the prophets. And um, if you have one of the house Bibles, if you have a Bible, man, turn it to Daniel chapter 9. If you would like to look at one, there's always some on the side. And I think in the house Bible there, it's on page 612. That's where you can find it. Um, and, And we've been titling this sermon series, Resolve. Because the main character in the book of Daniel, and his friends were taken captive by a Babylonian king called Nebuchadnezzar back in 605 B.C. And what's amazing is all that stuff is part of the bigger story about what God's been doing all along, and it does impact our lives. And these guys who were taken captive from Jerusalem, they were taken as captives, chained up, drugged all the way to Babylon, and they were being forced to adapt To a culture that was asking them to live in ways that contradicted their faith in the one true God, and in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, we have these amazing stories. This historical narrative with all the famous stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and Daniel in the lion's den, and we believe that these aren't just nice stories or children's bedtime stories, but these are historical events. That have incredible significance. And we see God rescuing or delivering those who put their trust in him time and time again. God is reliable. When we trust in him, he delivers. And, and, and we and, and we and those people resolve not to defile themselves by giving into the pressures of culture which most of us are tempted to do every single day. So it wasn't just stuff we read about like, oh yeah, that happened to them. No, just like them, we are tempted every day to give in to culture and to say, okay, I'll just live this way because it's easier or because it's more comfortable or whatever else. But the people who consistently follow God and his will, God continues to deliver them. So while chapters 1 through 6 of the, our historical narrative, chapters 7 through 12, which we're, we're in right now, there, it's called apocalyptic literature, which is a genre of literature that was used by people who were struggling under persecution and oppression. And, and these chapters, in these chapters, God reveals to Daniel what will happen in the immediate and a little bit in the distant future. And last week, we covered the first part of Daniel chapter 9, where we saw Daniel, as a man of prayer, was praying, not only for himself and confessing his own sins to God, but he was confessing on behalf of the entire nation. And last week, while we were at the park together, we talked about the fact that we need to be people of prayer. And while we're praying, we need to be people who stand in that gap, pray for our nation. Folks, we I I just don't believe we take prayer seriously enough. It is the most powerful tool that God has given us so that we stay connected to him through his word and in prayer so that we can be part of the solution to all the craziness in the world around so we can bring hope and life and the message of Jesus to a world that is desperate. And some of you are desperate this morning. I've talked to people and hear about the things going on in in your lives, and and we are desperate for Jesus to deliver us and to make sense out of things, and Jesus, quite honestly, is really the only answer. And so, if you've been trying everything else and it's not working, let me me tell you, you need to give it to Jesus, amen? So Daniel begins to confess and pray about the sinfulness of his nation that got them taken captive in the first place, right? Right? Um, for 490 years, these guys just didn't listen to God. They, they worshiped other gods. They completely disavowed the things that God told them to do, and they were in big trouble. And the content of Daniel chapter 9 is one of the most diversely understood and debated passages in the Bible. The section of scripture we're going to talk about today is, is kind of this hot topic uh, passage that people disagree on, debate about, and spend way too much time, in my personal opinion, trying to figure out. Um, so this morning we're we're going to take a look at what many consider to be the backbone of biblical prophecy. In fact, um, it's always been this way with this passage. Um, Sir Isaac Newton, you remember that guy, right? If you went to school, he's one of the fathers of modern science. He was a mathematician and astronomer. He was also a Christian, and I know in our world today, sometimes we we think that you know that biblical truth and science, you know, have trouble meshing. They don't, and they and the reality is is that. Uh, these early fathers of science, what they knew is this, that the more they could find out and understand about the way things work, the more they understood about who God really was. And if they wanted to know God better, that they would take a look at how things work and go, oh, look what God is up to. Instead of denying that God had anything to do with it, they would say, oh, look, science teaches us about who God is. And and so I think we need to, to get some of that back, too. So, But he was quoted one time specifically talking about the passage we're going to talk about this morning. And here's what he said. He says, you can stake the entire truth of Christianity on the text of Daniel 9 alone because five centuries before Christ was born, his coming was foretold here. In other words, what he's saying is, is, hey, you can take this and look at Christianity and say, hey, guess what? If this is true, if what it says in this chapter is true, if this really adds up, and we're going to do some math in just a minute, if it really adds up, then there is nothing like this in all of other written history. Because 500 years before Christ actually came, was born, and was lived and did miracles and had ministry and then died on the cross for us, 500 years before, it was all foretold. And it happened exactly how God said it was going to. And so... Sir Isaac Newton even figured this out. So, um, the, the kind of the message title today is called Pay Attention. This is, I'm going to fly through this. Um, there, there, you can watch it again online if I go too fast, but uh, we don't want to keep you here long. The kids are getting crazy. They want to get on the water slides, right? So, so let's start with Daniel chapter 9. Uh, we're going to cover just seven verses um, and start with Daniel chapter 9 starting in verse 20. And then we'll, uh, we'll take a look here. It says this in uh, verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, this is Daniel speaking, and confessing my sins and the sins of my people, again, he's confessing on behalf of his his nation, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. In other words, hey, God, we wanna get back to Jerusalem, we wanna get back to worshiping you. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in an earlier vision, came to me in swift flight, which I think is interesting. He's a man, but he's in swift flight, right? So we know who this is. About the time of the evening sacrifice, about three in the afternoon. And then he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have come to give you insight and understanding. And as soon as you began to pray, he says, a word went out which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Because remember, last couple weeks, if you've been with us, um, Daniel's been having these visions about what happens in, in the future. Um, we have discovered that Daniel is a man of prayer. And while he's praying, we find him praying here again, and he's praying. While he's praying, he's visited by an angel, but not just any angel, the angel Gabriel. And so not only do we believe here that the stories like Daniel in the lion's den are true, we believe in angels the reason we believe in angels is because the Bible tells us about their existence. And, it's, and it, this isn't just any angel, it's Gabriel. And Gabriel shows up in just a few places in Scripture. And Gabriel was the angel that showed up and told Mary that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, Jesus. Right. So, um, and, and so think about this. What we're going to see is he's talking about when Jesus is going to come. Well, the same angel shows up 500 years later and tells Mary, hey, guess what? It's time. You're going to have a baby, and he's going to be the Messiah, right? So the same angel. And so, so um, Gabriel tells Daniel that he has come to give him insight and understanding so he can understand the things that he's, he's having visions about, the things that he is reading from the other prophets. And he says at the end of verse 23, Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So he's just reiterating over and over again, you need to understand this, you need to understand this. He's basically saying, you need to pay really close attention to this because this is important. So telling time is important to us, right? And, and the angel's coming to tell Daniel about time. Time is super important to all of us. Um, we, we have uh, clocks everywhere, Right? I mean, think about it. I mean, how many of you, some of you have a watch on this morning and now we have uh, smart watches, right? Um, but then if you also have, see, I look at it and I go, Hey, if I have my cell phone with me and I have a watch, it's redundancy, right? Because it's like, but how many times a day do you look at your, at your phone, at your watch, at a clock to check what time it is? I mean, think about how many times a day do you do that? Here's another thing that was tripping me out this week. How many clocks do you have? In your home. And don't forget the one on the microwave. Oh, yeah. Right? We have, we have 15 in our home. Yeah, 15 clocks. And I'm gonna bet that most of you probably have a lot of clocks as well, which tells us that we have this crazy thing about time, right? It's like everywhere we turn, we wanna know, like, what time is it? You wanna know what the most frustrating thing in the world for me? It's that in my truck, if the battery, you know, were to die or something happens or the time changes, i cannot figure out how to reset the time on my clock. I have watched the YouTube video 20 times and i still can't figure that thing out, right? I have to go back. I got to watch three or four videos and figure out, you know, cuz you got to like push that button, hold this thing, put your tongue the right way and then start doing this number and then maybe But it frustrates, why? Because time is important to us, and time is important. Here's the amazing thing. We serve a God that lives outside of time, and he knows we have this issue. He created time for us, and the fact that he created time for us is a wonderful thing. You know why? Because that means sometimes problems come to an end. In time, we get over things. God created time for us so that one day we would know the glory of not having time. That's going to be one of the most interesting things about heaven, is not having time that, that holds on to us. Because most of us, to be quite honest, and some of you know what I mean here, you are slaves to time. Can you imagine? I mean, I can't wait till there's heaven and there's no clock, there's no alarm going off. There's no, you know, warnings or things going, oh, you got to get to this. Oh, you got to get to this. Oh, you can't put that in there because you got too much already, right? Time. So God created it for us. And so God uses it here so that he can progress what his, what his story is. And so he tells Daniel what's happening. And Gabriel proceeds to tell Daniel about the time of the end of the exile, the rebuilding of Jerusalem that got destroyed when King Nebuchadnezzar attacked it, and the coming of the Messiah, which is really the most important. And this is where it gets really interesting. So any math students in the the house? Any math people? Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble. (laughs) So some of you might wanna get your phone out and start checking my math here, right? Because you got a little calculator on there too. Those things do everything, okay? So you can check my math in some of this stuff. Um, Because um, if you're a math person, you're gonna love this section. If you hate math, just bear with me for for a little bit, okay? And we're going to take the next four verses, phrased by Pharisees, because there's a lot of stuff that's going to uh, kind of eke out like the timing of the coming of the Messiah. So first, what will the Messiah bring in Daniel chapter 24? He starts out and he says this, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness and seal up vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy place. Okay, There's a lot going on there, and and there's six things that God says, this is what's going to happen, and none of these are possible with just us trying to make them happen. These require Jesus. Okay, And so he says, so 77s. Some of your translations of your Bible say 70 weeks, because a week has seven days in it. For the Jewish people, the number seven was sacred. And they looked at time in intervals of sevens. It, it, it sounds interesting, but for us, we we do it in tens. Okay, it, it, we we Westerners, we Americans, we do we do things in tens. Like if I said, "Oh, this past decade was really hard." Well, what what's the decade? Yeah, ten years, right? I mean, we we do things in in, in groups of ten. They did group, things in groups of seven. One of the main reasons was they thought that seven was this perfect number, and they and what was supposed to happen in their in their life um, for the Jewish people was God told them every seven years you had a Sabbath or a time of rest. You let your land rest. What does that mean for you if you're a farmer? Means you get a whole year of rest. Right, And so you got time off. You got like crazy vacation. So you had like every seven years they would count off. And they would always be looking forward to that seventh year. And everything was measured by this groups of seven. In fact, then after seven of those sevens, right? So you had seven times seven is what? 49. So after 49 years, after seven sevens, they had what was called the year of Jubilee, which all debts got wiped out, where, where your land went back to the original owners from the tribes of Israel. I mean, all these crazy, amazing things, and you had a year of absolute celebration. It was like a one-year-long party celebrating how God had provided. You know what the saddest thing ever is? In history that we know of, the children of Israel did not practice the seven-year vacation thing. Why? They were greedy. They just kept working and working and working and working, right? And they didn't trust God. And when that happened, famines would erupt and crazy things would happen, right? Because God's going, are you going to pay attention to me or not? We don't know, but it's pretty clear that the children of Israel never even celebrated the year of Jubilee. Why? It was too hard for them. Can you imagine that? A year of just absolute celebration and worship to God. They didn't do it. Why? Because it meant they had to give back things that they held dear, like their land and all these other things. Folks, we get so caught up in what we have and what we're doing right now that we forget that God has better for us. And it saddens my heart as a pastor to watch people make decisions time in and time out that they want to hold on to something that they think is valuable, that they hold dear. And God is just going, if you will please just give that up, I'm going to give you something better. Some of you are holding on to stuff right now. Things that you think, oh yeah, this is, this is what my life is all about. And let me tell you something. It's not going to last. Certainly isn't going to last forever. The only thing that does is our relationship to God but the reality is so much of the time we hold on to things that aren't as valuable as what God wants to give us and they don't bring us joy and peace the way that God wants to bring it in our lives and so we hold on to the wrong stuff so that's why we need to understand what God's doing and trust him in this trust him let go of the stuff that's holding you back right you've read books like you know from good to great right so many of us think we're holding on to what's good and we're missing out on what's great. And what's great is whatever God has in store for you. And God has great things in store. So he goes on um, and, and so he says, hey, these 77s are going to happen. So if it's, if, if a seven, okay, if sevens, seven, so what's 70 times seven? Yeah, 490 years, Right? So something amazing is gonna happen in this period of time. And he goes on and he says, all these things are gonna happen that that will finish transgression, okay, which means like all the sinfulness. And then next thing he says, put an end to sin. I mean, put an end to sin. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Right? But what we realize is didn't Jesus do that when he died on the cross to wipe away our sins? To atone for wickedness? I mean, Jesus took care of that, right? He atoned for all of our sinfulness. Bring in everlasting righteousness. Seal up the vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy place. Now, we aren't going to dive in deeply to all of these things because I want you to see that, that what God is doing is He's saying, hey, this is going to come and it's going to happen in the coming of the Messiah. So who's going to do all this? Only the Messiah can. Only the Savior of the world. Only Jesus. So let's do the math. So in verse 25 it says, no one understand this from the time that the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem got torn down. They're gonna rebuild it. And he says, from the time that there is the decree that the word goes out to restore and build Jerusalem, until the anointed one, or the Messiah is the word there, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens. How many years is that? 49. And then 62 sevens. All right, where's my math whizzes? All right. Yeah, you got something? Okay, good. And it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, first, from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Okay? So when is that? Right? Um, historically speaking, there were three different times that kings, like King Cyrus that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, King there's these people said, okay, it's okay for the Jewish people to go back to Israel, right? Because they were being held in Babylon. says, so it's okay to go back. Well, um, there was only one time, however, where there was a decree made to go back and rebuild the city and to rebuild the walls. And that was under Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 2, um, uh, Nehemiah was the guy, his job was, he was the cupbearer of King Artaxerxes. And, and so his job was to, um, like, bring in the wine and the food and kind of taste it before the king, right? Because back then that was one way people got rid of kings, right? was poisoning their stuff. So, you know, every, every day is like, oh, okay, this may be your last, right? Because you're, like, testing the king's food. So um, that was his job. But he got to be really – I mean, if someone was, like, willing to, like, sacrifice, even though it's his job, um, and he was kind of forced to do it, wouldn't that be amazing to have somebody – I mean, so this guy – becomes pretty good friends with, with the king, with King Artaxerxes, who's one of the most powerful guys in the world at that time. And so one day he musters up the courage because he hears from his brother that, hey, things in Jerusalem are horrible, the walls are still torn down, and it's being raided over and over again, and all these things are happening. So he goes to the king and he says, hey, king, um, I have a request and the king says, yeah, hey, what, you, know, you, you like, put your life on the line for me every day. What can I do for you? And he says, hey, can I take people back with me to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls so that the city of my ancestors, the city that I grew up in, so that it will be safe, right? And so that's what he asks of the king. And the king says, absolutely, yeah, go for it. And he even gives him letters. And the king, King Artaxerxes, right, issues a decree, And he says, I'm issuing a decree that the Jewish people will go back, rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Okay. Now, so the cool part is, is Nehemiah gives us the exact date that this happens. In Nehemiah chapter 2, the first eight verses, go home and read those, and it's pretty fascinating. And it says that um, in the month of Nisan, okay, in the Jewish calendar, which is our March or April, In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign. Here's the cool thing. Because of archaeology, we know when King Artaxerxes' reign started, which it began in 465 B.C. And there's going to be a bunch of numbers up on the screen. Yeah, there we go. Artaxerxes' reign begins in 465 B.C. So some of you math people, you start doing all the math here. All right? So the 20th year would have been 445 right? Because you go the opposite direction. You don't go up, you go backwards when you're doing BC stuff, right? So 20 years later is 445 BC. And to be, um, to be more accurate, this happened on March 14th, 445 BC. So we have an exact date when King Artaxerxes says, all right, you, you know, I'm decreeing, go back and rebuild Jerusalem. So we have our start date. Now, some more math. From the time the word goes out to rebuild and restore Jerusalem until the anointed one, until the Messiah comes, there will be seven sevens. So there's 49, right? And then he says there will be 40, or seven sevens and then 62 sevens, right? So that's 434. Make sure you guys are checking the math here. So the first part, the seven sevens, 49 years, it took, this is what's interesting. It took Nehemiah 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem. They built the walls really fast, but then they started to rebuild the whole city. The walls were built in like 50 days. It was crazy how fast they did it. But then they start building out the whole city and all the streets and everything else. So for the next 49 years, they rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And then Nehemiah, That then that's the end of Nehemiah's life, right? So And we know it was in a time of great trouble, which was talked about in the passage. It says, hey, it's gonna happen in time of great trouble. Well, there's this scene, if you read Nehemiah, that says um all these other countries were coming in trying to attack them while they're rebuilding the walls, all these people around them. And it said that there at one point there were like they would work in pairs, and one guy would have his trowel fixing the wall, and another guy standing there with a sword protecting him. Because all these people are trying to wipe these guys out, right? And so, um, so it obviously happened in a time of trouble. So again, God's words just rolling along. God's saying, here, here's how this is going to happen. Here's how this is going to happen. So then you've got, after that, you've got the 434 years. So the total is 483 years until the Messiah comes. Now, here's where it gets even more interesting. So you really got to follow along here. In 1894, there was a man named Sir Robert Anderson. He was the head of Scotland Yard, okay? And you're like, okay, how do we get from Babylon to Scotland Yard, right? So this guy was a mathematician too. And, and what was interesting, he wrote a book called The Coming Prince. He was a historian, like I said, and a math whiz, and he took all these numbers. And he started adding things up, and he was getting a little confused. And then what he realized was this. When he was looking at this, he says, okay, it's 483 years. Then he started to say, okay, but wait a minute. For us, how many days are in a year? Yeah, 365. Here's the issue. There's not 365 days in the year on the Jewish calendar. In the Jewish calendar, there's 360 days. So there's a little bit of difference there, right? So if you multiply... The 483 years by the 360, and he took into account like there was some leap year stuff and stuff, but he says, um, you get, what's the, the final answer? You get 173,880 days. So he says, okay, so we're going we're gonna to track this in history. Now, he says, after that time, the ruler, the Messiah would come, so... On the Jewish calendar, if you go from the day of the decree that Artaxerxes made and you add up this, this number of days, or 173,880, it lands on the 10th of Nisan on the Jewish calendar, so April 6th, 32 AD. Do you know what happened on that day? Very few people do. The 10th of Nisan was an important day in the Jewish calendar anyways. Do you know what happened every year on the 10th of Nisan? It was the day that the Jewish people would choose the lamb that they were going to sacrifice for the Passover. Okay, it was the day they were going to choose the lamb to sacrifice on the tenth. because on the 14th of Nisan they made the sacrifice, right? And they had to take that lamb into their home for four days. According to Scripture, that's what God said. And so, on the 10th of Nisan, they're supposed to choose the lamb. Well, on this particular one, on April 6th, 32 AD, you know what happened? Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the people proclaimed, Hosanna in the highest. Glory to the coming king, the Messiah, the anointed one. This was the first time. All throughout Jesus' ministry, I don't know if you remember, he kept telling people, like, don't don't call me that. Don't call me out yet. It's not my time. It's not my time. That day was his time. And that was the day that the people cried out. And when they said, Hosanna, it literally means save us. And they recognized that Jesus was their Savior. And so if you do this math correctly, Jesus was just pointing out, hey, this is the guy. Well, well, here's what's even crazier, and you can't miss this because this is so important because it tells us why this whole doing the math thing is so important. Is because on that day when Jesus rides into the town, all these people are like, Hosanna, save us, you're our Savior, you're the Messiah, right? He's proclaimed as a Messiah. But what did the religious leaders do? They went to Jesus' apostles and said, would you quiet them down? You're going to get us all in big trouble and the Romans are going to come and the Romans are going to kill us all, take away our temple and all this stuff. You've got to quiet the people down. You, they can't be saying this. And yet they were the ones, the religious leaders, they were the ones who were supposed to have figured this all out. They were the ones that had all of this stuff memorized and they knew all the prophecies and everything else, but they were so concerned with losing what they had. They were so concerned with, you know, the Roman occupation, with what was going on in government, with what was going on in their lives in the rest of the world, that they missed it. They missed it. They missed the coming of the Messiah. In fact, they told the people to shut up. And their response was, hey, if we're, Jesus said, hey, if we're quiet, if they're quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. And this day, when Jesus came into town, it started Holy Week. We know it as Passion Week. By the end of the week, Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, would be crucified to come and to bring us life and it's so crazy because if we don't pay attention we're going to miss things folks i don't know but i don't know but maybe maybe this is us i mean how many of us are so busy doing life that we don't pay attention to god's instruction to his word to the things that he wants us to do in our lives we get so wrapped up in the mundane And I think that is the greatest trick of the devil. He wants to get you so wrapped up in the mundane stuff of life or just trying to survive or just staying busy so we don't have to think about all the other stuff. And, And God is saying, hey, don't worry about all that stuff. Pay attention. Pay attention to what God is doing because what God is doing is certainly more important than what's on my calendar today. And look what happens if you don't pay attention. We're going to close this out really quick. Verse 26 and 27 says, um, the people, it goes on and says, the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and its sanctuary. In August of 70 AD, the Roman general Titus comes in again and he seizes Jerusalem. He surrounds the city, starves the people out, and then on, on In August, he breaches the walls of Jerusalem and massacres the rest of the population of the city. And he tore down the city walls and tore down the temple. And Daniel had said, the end will come like a flood. And he says, war will continue until the end, and the desolations have been decreed. And he says, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. And we'll get to that in just a second. And in the middle of the sevens, he'll put an end to the sacrifice and the offering. And on the wing of the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. See, failure to understand or pay attention to what God is doing results in disasters. Because listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24. This is this is in Jesus' teaching about this whole thing. He says this. He says, Matthew 24, verse 15, he says, So when you he was telling the people of Jerusalem this, okay? And he says, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. So Jesus calling everybody back. Remember what Daniel said? He says, let the reader understand and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof go inside his house or go down to get anything out of the house. Let no one in the fields go back to get his coat. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight, okay, or your, getting out of the city, will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled. And and most scholars believe he's talking about 70 AD when Titus came in and destroyed the city. And he says, hey, Daniel told you this was going to happen, and you didn't pay attention. You didn't pay attention to it. And devastation and disaster came because of that. You were going on as if life was just normal, but you didn't pay attention. And again, how, much of us, how many of us are doing that every day? All this happened because they failed to pay attention to God's word. Good people, religious people, all destroyed because they did not pay attention to God's word. So today, okay, how do we wrap this all up? Today, will you resolve? Pay careful attention to God's word. What God says is going to happen will happen. Now, if you did the math correctly, some of you may have noticed that we had we we dealt with sixty-nine of the sevens, <laughs> and there's one left. And while I believe that all of those sixty-nine were all taken care of during the coming of the Messiah in seventy A.D., there's one left. And God is still at work bringing about the consummation of everything when he will return again. And the question will be, are you ready for that? Have, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Are you ready for Jesus to return? There was a Jewish rabbi, his name was Leopold Kahn. He was a European rabbi, and one day he was reading Daniel chapter 9, Verse 25 and 26 that we just read. He was told most of his life not to read it. Because some of the rabbis don't like those passages. And after he read it, he had come to the conclusion that the Messiah had already come. So he went and talked to an older, wiser rabbi and says, Hey, Rabbi, if I if I do these numbers right, it, it means that the Messiah has come. What what where where is the Messiah? Now here's what's really interesting. The older rabbi said, well, I think the Messiah is somewhere in New York City. Like, what? All right, whatever. But Leopold Kant, he trusted in, in God's Word, and he basically sold everything he had at his home in Europe, and then he moved to New York City to start searching for the Messiah. One night, as he was wandering the streets in New York City, he heard some singing, and he ducked into this little church, and he heard the pastor preach on the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. And that night, Rabbi Leopold Kahn gave his life to Jesus and found the true Messiah. And he started a ministry that later became known as Jews for Jesus to help people understand that Jesus truly was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the question is, he found the Messiah, he found the Savior, and the question for us today is, have you? And if you have, are you trusting him in your day-to-day life? Are you trusting him, or are you just kind of going business as usual? Because that's a really easy place to get to. I find myself doing it all the time. I have my routines, I have the things I do, and I just get moving, and I'm just taking care of life that's right in front of me. And so many times I fail to pay close attention to the great things that God wants to do in my life. And I don't know about you, but I believe that God has better for me than I have for myself. And the question is, is will I pay attention and let God have his way. And you may be here this morning and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you uh, this is all new to you. And if that's you, man, I'd love to take time and explain more about it to you. But I can tell you this. That one of the things that I see as I read these passages is that Jesus makes a promise and he always keeps it. God sets time and dates and motions and he always comes through that you can always count on him and he will always be there to deliver us when we need it. But will we trust him? And so I, I'm going to pray for us and if, if you would like to talk more about what that means then I'd encourage you during the last song to just you know, come and we'll have a couple of our elders here or just grab me or you know, one of the people on the stage grab us after this service because more than anything we want you to know that you have a God who loves you and cares for you. And he has a plan and purposes, and they will all come true. So let's pray, and then uh, Devin's going to come lead us in communion, and then uh, stick around for a few minutes. We're going to celebrate a baptism together as well. So let's, uh, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for this incredible, um, this incredible, incredible passage that teaches us, God, that you are continually coming through on our behalf, that, God, you are always going to deliver. And, Father, not in our time, but in the time that you have decided. And when you do, it will be amazing. And, Father, we trust that one day you're going to return, and we pray that we are all ready for that. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages Podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.